Um, today, uh, I am excited to speak to, with you, and honestly, uh, we here at Family Life Church, we believe that there's a hope for every life, and today, uh, I'm going to be continuing this series called Know Your Bible, and I've, I've loved this series. Has anyone else loved Know Your Bible? This series has been awesome. I have learned so much. Like, I literally went to school for this, like in college, four-year degree, and I still learned a lot. And so I think this is like, like so the first week we did, um, we talked about the Bible. We talked about inspiration, what that means, where did the Bible come from. And then the second week we talked about versions. There's so many of them, which is best for you. And uh, also like the, the, the script, the text that came, that created each version of the Bible. Really cool. And then uh, last week we talked about how, and the, how to apply the Bible and the importance of applying the Bible. Today... Um, I need you to buckle up. I need you to get your, uh, your shovel because we're going to dig. We're going to dig deep in how to study the Bible. That's what we're talking about today. In this Know Your Bible series, we're talking about how to study the Bible. And so really and truly, this is so important because so many times, people come to church and they expect me and the pastor to do the work for them. But in reality, the, the, the deepest inspiration that you will ever feel is the original, uh, the original work that you've put in and that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you by reading the Bible and by studying the Bible. So don't let the pastor spoon feed you. Like that's not the purpose of why we do this. And really today it's more instructional than inspirational but I promise you, you're going to find inspiration as you do this yourself. Like, that's really my heart behind this. And so I have one point, one main point that I want to get across, and it's this. If you want a deeper relationship with God, go deeper in the Bible. If you want a deeper relationship with God, go deeper in the Bible. And I'm, um, I'm challenged by the words that Pastor Chris shared a couple weeks ago. He said, if you aren't growing closer to God you're backsliding. That's very challenging. If you aren't growing closer to God, you're backsliding. And aren't we just blessed to have an um, incredible leader, pastor, and teacher, and Pastor Chris? Can we just celebrate him for two seconds and honor him? Like, we are just blessed to have him as our pastor. I'm just honored, and I'm excited that he is my pastor. So today, we're going to dive deep. I hope you brought your shovel. I hope you're ready to get a little mud on your, on your boots today, because we are diving deep. Like, this is going to be so good. And here's the reality. This is a lot of stuff, but I want you to catch one thing today and apply it to your life. Okay, like just one. That's literally my goal. How many things do I want you to catch today? One, okay? I'm gonna give you a lot and you can apply it, but I think the goal and my hope for you is to just catch one. Just, just make one small change and I'm gonna give you a lot, like I said, but just take one, just take one thing. And so um, here's some things that I don't want you to say as I'm teaching you this, as, as we're, we're going over this. And I, 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 can, I, I can hear it as I was preparing this. I was like, there's gonna be some mental rebuttals that happen during this message. And here is one. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to study the Bible. Okay, that's one. The second one is this. I could never do this. I don't have time, or me, I personally, you, could never do this. Like, you can do this, Matt. You went to school for this. That, you go. Like, you do your thing, and I won't do that. But here's the reality. I'm not giving you a shovel, 
I'm not showing you only how to dig with a shovel. I'm handing you a shovel today and you are going to, to dig yourself because I'm telling you, greater inspiration in the Bible is waiting for you if you are digging for it. And to go deeper in your relationship with God, you have to go deeper uh, in, in the Bible. So, so my two rebuttals to, to, to those rebuttals, I'm already a step ahead of you guys. That's what we do when we, we preach. We, we are literally, you know, playing mental uh, ping pong with you at the same time. I don't know if that made any sense. Um, it, so it, I don't have time for this, right? Here's, the, here's something my coach, my soccer coach in college used to say. You make time for what's important. You make time for what's important. So if this is important for you, which you're here, I think it would, you would say that this is important for you. If, you. if you make time, you make time for what's important. The second thing is when, when you say, I, Matt, I, I could never do that. I personally could never do that. Take one thing, start small. I'm gonna give you um, like a lot of like great starting points today. And I just want you to take one thing and apply it to your life. Can we just pray together before we dive in? I think we need to pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much for who you are. And I thank you that there is greater inspiration that's waiting for us as we dig into scripture. Thank you that you are, are going to reveal that to us. And even you're going to reveal the how to of that as well. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so the first question is this. Why do we even study scripture? Why do we study scripture? And, and the answer is in scripture, but I think this is really cool. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says it like this. Oh, the joys of those, which that means blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord meditating on it day and night. And the next verse is so cool. It says like this, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, they prosper in all they do. And that's what happens when we study scripture. We become like trees bearing fruit in every season. Planted along the riverbank, that's what we happen. That, that's what happens to us when we meditate on God's word. So it's important. And so the, the next question is, okay, why does scripture need to be explained? Because I just read the Bible, Matt, and it's just so good. And it, I just, it, oh, I open it and it just so good and it just soak it all in and so beautiful. And uh, uh, that's perfect. Great. Love it. But to go deeper in your relationship with God, you need to go deeper in the Bible. So, and actually reality is the people in the Bible had to explain the Bible to them. Like back in, and let's throw it out. There's a, there's a story of ne in the book of Nehemiah that people were explaining the Bible, like explaining the law at that point, they called it the law, to the people of that time. And so Nehemiah 8, 7, 8, 7 through 8 says this. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everybody remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read helping the people to understand each passage. So today, I'm giving you a shovel. I'm giving it to you. Like, I'm not gonna do it for you all the time. I'm handing you the, the shovel and I'm telling you how to dig today. I'm showing you how to dig. So, Because what we're doing today is I'm gonna give you the, the outline. I'm gonna give you the, what I think is, the, is a great way to study the Bible. And then we're also going to dive into a scripture verse together, and we're going to do it together, right? Does that make sense? Um, 
And so here's what I want you to take away from this. Like, I don't want you to just be like, man, Matt, that was cool. Love it. If I could, I know you're not going to like this. Okay, get ready. If I could assign you some homework, everybody say, ooh. (laughs) If I could assign you some homework this week, it's this. Apply this structure of studying the Bible to your favorite verse in the Bible. That's a great thing to do. And so one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. You, you know it. You might have a cousin who has it tattooed on their left arm. I don't know. Um, but we're going to read the, that passage and we're going to walk through it together. But let's, before we even get there, um, we're going to go into the five C's of Bible study. And here's the reality. The, 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 the shovel right now for you is a pen. A pen is the best shovel for you right now. You need to be taking some notes. And here's, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will let you, just today, I will let you use your phone in church, okay? You can use your phone in church. You can go to the notes app or whatever you need to do to take notes. I will make sure that when I see you on your phone, I'm not going to judge you and think you're on Facebook. The pit game doesn't start until 1210, so there's no scores you need to check. And I want to see it too. So like, we're all going to, you know, get there with enough time. All right. Um, so the five C's of Bible study, that's, this is what it is. Okay. Um, the first is context. And then there's culture, cross-references, consultation, and then conclusion. And there's, there's, there's questions for each one of those that we're going to walk through. And so uh, I recognize in the first service, I spent a lot of time on the first C, which is context. And um, in reality, context is probably the most important um, out of all of those because it's going to shape the rest of them. Context is actually so important because like if I told you like, I'll meet you at the trunk, you're probably like, probably he probably means like the trunk of a car. He could mean like a big box or he could mean the trunk of an elephant. Like, right, there's a couple different things that I could mean when I say the word trunk. Like, because context is so important. Context is everything, right? And so uh, when we're, we're asking these questions, and so um, I, I, I told you the challenge, do this with your favorite verse, but really a good question that even before we dive into this, a good question I think I need to address is this, Matt, how much scripture should I read at a time? That's a great question. I'm going to let you know my personal story slash struggle here. I am in year four of a three-year Bible reading plan. Did he just say that? Did he just say that he's bad at reading the Bible? No. Okay. Here's what I, here's what I say. Um, I, I tried. I, oh, here's, what I, here's what I'll say, and then I'll tell the story. I think I give the Bible the most justice when I, when I read it slowly. That's personal. Um, but I tried the whole Bible in a year thing, and I got about a week in, and I got very discouraged and stopped. And so then I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. I got the key. I will do the Bible in two years. And about a week later, I was like, this is not working, right? And after two weeks, really, it, w- it was really like two weeks, I read a lot of the Bible, but I didn't retain much of it at all. So when you study the Bible, go slowly. Like even in my year four of year three Bible plan, it's because I, I need to read the Bible slowly in order for it to really speak to me. 
Um, and so like today, I'm going to give you that tool so that you can read the Bible really well. And so um, that's the five C's and we're going to start. And so we're going to start looking and applying these five C's to Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay, so we're going to go through that. So here's the verse for, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Oh my goodness. That is tattooable. Oh, that is great. I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster. So basically at face value, you could read that and be like, I can basically do whatever I want in life because God's plans for me are good. And no matter what I do, even if it's outside of God's will or plan or God's best, I, he's still going to give me a future and a hope. And it's not going to be disaster, and it's going to be for my good. I love that verse. Mm, don't you just like, let's pray and close. No, that's not what the verse is talking about at all. And so when you go into these five C's of studying the Bible, you don't just read the Bible like it's talking to you. Because in reality, we have to look at one thing. We have to look at that the Bible was actually written primarily. And I want to use my words carefully here. The Bible was primarily written for a specific audience in a specific time. Now, we talked about in week one that the inspiration of the Bible applies for all people, for all time. But we have to understand what the, the author was actually, what, the, what God was speaking through the author. And it was, it was meaning for the actual original audience, right? So there's these things that we need, to, we, we need to do. So we're going deep. We're going deep. We got our shovels. Do you have your shovels? Do you, not at me if you have your shovels and you're ready to go. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm, I, I chose to sit today because I need to remind myself that I am very passionate about this. So I need to like be like, okay, Matt, sit down. Let's calm down a little bit. As you can tell, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little excited. Here's the, here's, and this is kind of like a, a, sort of like a joke, not really, but this is like the examples of verses that are taken out of context. This is why context is so important. I kind of give you an example with Jeremiah 29, 11, but let's go to the Leviticus verse. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Such a person is guilty of capital offense. <laughs> that's, that's apparent right there. <laughs> um, and before you literally take this and apply this to your life, and life, kids, is half the size next week than it is this week, <laughs> there is context to this passage that, that makes it actually have application for specific people at a specific time. And if you look at it, it's like anybody means something, dishonors means something, like it all means something. So like, so that's one example. And an example, maybe it's a little closer to home, is this Philippians 4.13 verse. A lot of people like to use this verse. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Get that one tattooed. Get that one. I actually had a, a friend in high school um, put that decal on her track shoes, right? And so it's like... Um, I can do it. So that means that Pastor Matt, are you ready for this one? I can be an Olympic swimmer through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> yep, I knew I missed my calling. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but that's how this verse, and this verse really has nothing to do with potential. 
It has everything to do with contentment. But if you read the context, that's what, the, what you speak. So let's zero back to the context of Jeremiah, right? Because context is everything. My, one of my Bible teachers in college said, a text without a context is a pretext. And a pretext is just means, like a, it's like a half-truth. Like you can take a pretext and make it mean everything or anything you want it to be. A text without a context is a pretext. And so we have to understand that, that context is incredibly important. We can't just read one verse we have to read verses around it. We have to understand what is happening in the Bible, what is going on. And so that's the context. So we're going to look at this at three different layers. And if we have our shovels, we're looking at the soil and we're like, okay, that this is like the first, the first questions. We're like, okay, we're in Pennsylvania. There are rocks in the soil and there's clay in the soil. Okay. So we understand where we're at. This first context question is what is the context for the entire Bible? And there's two questions that go along with this first context question. Um, wait, actually, I don't think that's the right one. It'd be the next one, right? That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so it's the entire Bible, when and why. All right, so when did this take place? Okay, we're, we're looking at the soil. How do I get the answers to this question? So we're looking at the book of Jeremiah. I love to start with literally the front page of the book in your Bible. Oftentimes, it will have a short introduction. Um, it, or sometimes if you have a study Bible, I read from a study Bible. Highly, highly recommend a study Bible. I read from the NLT uh, parallel study Bible. So it's, it's the Bible in NLT and it's two study Bibles in one uh, physical Bible. It's awesome. I read that every morning. It's incredible. So you start with the front page of your, of your, of your Bible and it, it talks about what is happening before this book happens, right? So that's the when and the why. So the when did this take place? This is the, the context of Jeremiah. Israel was split into the northern and southern kingdom in 922 B.C., 722 BC, Israel fell, Israel, the northern kingdom, fell to the Assyrians. And then the book of Isaiah is really more to them. 586 BC, Judah falls to Babylon. And so Jeremiah takes place right in the middle of that, right? And so why? Uh, why? What is the significance of this book in the entire Bible? Where I'm giving you a shovel. This is how you study the Bible. What is the significance that it has in the entire Bible? The, the book of Jeremiah um, basically is, is getting at God is merciful. This is a theme. God is merciful towards his people even when they're disobedient to him. And then also it actually foretells of, of Jesus being in the line of David. It's awesome. But we re we're reading in this, this book, and we're reading, like, even in the front page of your study Bible, you might even be able to get some of this, like, key verses, right? And we're, we're reading in the, in the book of, of Jeremiah, and some of the key verses are that, like, um, the beginning of Jeremiah, God is, is warning the people, hey, yo, do not be disobedient to me any longer. And, 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 like, he's using pretty intense language. Like, I was just reading the, the book of Jeremiah for my own personal devotions, and the first like 20 chapters of Jeremiah are God saying, I'm going to use the Babylonians to destroy your entire, your entire people, your entire country, but I'm doing it because you're disobedient. So that's like the, the idea, but Jeremiah 26, 13, I don't have that up, but it says like this, but if you stop your sinning and begin to obey the Lord, he will change his mind about this disaster that he has announced against you. So even in 
this, this incredible, intense language of God saying, I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna use the Babylonians to destroy you. He's saying, yo, if you change your mind, just change your mind and be obedient. That would, 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 would change everything. So that's what he's saying here, right? And even later in the book, Jeremiah 33, 33, probably the, the key verse of the entire book is this. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Okay, we're back to our shovel. We understand the land. We're in Pennsylvania. It's rocky. There's clay. It's really dense, right? We're trying to dig a hole. So that's the entire Bible. That's the zoomed out the most we could go. We, let's zoom in a little bit more, okay? So now we're looking at the, the book. That's the next layer of context that we have to look at. So now we're like, we need a specific type of shovel. We need work boots. Absolutely, you need work boots. We need gloves, right? Um, we need, maybe it's, it's sunny outside. We need a hat. Like this is, we're, we're, we're drilling in a little deeper. We're about to dive in. And so the book context questions really are like this, how and where. Those are the two questions you want to ask when you're, at, when you're looking at the context. And so here's a great first step. Like, like I said, take one thing. I would suggest this is a great first step. There's um, a video series on YouTube. It's called The Bible Project. Some of you might have heard of The Bible Project. The Bible Project takes uh, every single book of the Bible and it breaks it out in this really fun and really engaging way to kind of walk through the, the Bible. And I have a picture of it. I don't know how effective this picture is to you because you probably can't really read it. But what it is, it's actually... It, they, in the video, they zoom into specific places and they, they look at what's happening in the story and you can kind of see maybe that there's three major themes or four major themes that are happening. And so it kind of zooms in on it and it's like this person drawing it out. Like, it's great for, pe- it's great for people with ADD, right? Like, you, you understand what's happening. You can stay focused on it. It's fast moving and you learn. So before you get started really with any book, I would highly suggest watch the Bible Project video on it. It's pretty theologically neutral. Like it's not gonna give you a theology that's opposite of of anything that's historically Christian. So it's pretty good, right? So the, the questions, how and where? How should we read this book? We're back to the context of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is mostly, there's really like three different literary genres in the whole Bible. It's prose, narrative, and poetry. Jeremiah has prose and then also has some poetry as well. And so, um, and one of the things we have to understand when we read the Old Testament is that a lot of it, unlike our literature today, a lot of it is actually out of chronological order. So when you read Hebrew poetry, it's kind of, there's a theme that's above the chronological time that it's really trying to push and trying to say. Um, whereas like if you were to go to the library, get a fiction book or a nonfiction book, you're going to read it in chronological order, right? But in Hebrew poetry, there's something deeper that it, that it like kind of like beckons you to read more and it beckons you to read deeper. It's so cool. Um, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. Right. Um, and so that's the how and the where question is just simple. We kind of answered that already. Judah is in exile in Babylon. Okay. 
And so that's, okay, we understand there's rocks in the stove. We got our shovels. Not at me if you get, you have your shovel, right? You have your shovel, not at me, right? Okay, I'm seeing some nods. Not nodding off. I need you to nod at me, okay? We're here, we're here. This is exciting, right? I'm trying to be very excited to keep you engaged, right? Okay, so, um, so we're, we got our shovels. We understand we're in Pennsylvania. There's rocks, there's clay. And, and we're like, okay, I might need work boots. I might need gloves. I might need a hat. Now, as we zero in on the specific book of, 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 the, of the, or the chapter, rather, the chapter of the Bible, we have to be like, okay, did it just rain? Like, what, um, is it, is it really dry? Is it, is the, um, the ground frozen, right? We have to understand what's specifically, specifically going to happen when we dig, right? And that's what the context of the chapter is, right? So this is so cool because Jeremiah 29, 11 is about to pop off the page to you. So get ready. I hope your seatbelt's still on. It's really gonna get good, right? Okay, so the questions are what and who. What is happening or who is involved? And really it's similar questions, but basically right before we read Jeremiah 29, 11. There is a false prophet that's saying, you're gonna be in exile for two years and then God's gonna rescue you and it's gonna be awesome. So just two years, you're, you'll be good, all right? And, and then Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's response to this, which is God speaking through Jeremiah, is this. And we're gonna start in verse 10, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. That's not good news. I, 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 I honestly think a lot of the people in, in exile right now didn't even hear verse 11. They were probably pretty mad at that one right there. Because they're like, two years, I'll take it. The, the false prophet, I'll take that, yeah, two years. And then Jeremiah is out here being like, no, it's 70 years. And so... You have to understand that this is a heartbreaking moment for the people as they're hearing this, as they're reading this letter. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And then we get to the verse, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And the last verse in that section, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. So really, did, did it just not come alive to you? Like, that was incredible. Why did that just come alive to you? Because we looked at the context. We understood what was happening. And the, the Bible speaks so true in its own context. And re, in reality, you look at Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, Keep the tattoo. You don't need to cover it up, right? <laughs> because it's great on its own, but it's better in its context. It's more rich in its context. So that's why I want you to take your favorite verse and this week drill down in it. Do what we're doing here uh, in, that, in, that, um, in your favorite verse. So that's C, context. And we're gonna move quickly because I told you that was the longest one. We're gonna go, we got four more, but they're not gonna be as, as lengthy. It's context and the second is culture. And I kind of did already cover this. The question there is, what did this mean to the people that it was written to? I mean, like I said, they were probably distraught over that they were gonna be in 
in captivity for 70 more years, like that's like they, some of them might not have ever been, or some of them would probably die before the end of captivity. Like it's, it's, it's a really hard thing for them to get and for them to grasp. And so it's just, it's just probably like a really sad moment. And so when I look at the word or like the culture question, it is similar to the context C, but I'm asking the question, what did people feel? Like what was the person talking or what was the people in this audience? What were they feeling? Because we can identify and um, we can associate and, and, and empathize with feelings very well. And we can actually learn a lot in the Bible by the feelings that, that are uncovered. Because in reality, that's what we just did. We just studied enough to understand a feeling. So now, like I'm not going to do this, but now I can preach a sermon on when you're feeling discouraged, right? Or now we can talk about like this, this passage of scripture is when you're, when you're disobedient to God, right? Or like this passage of scripture can speak to a couple of different things in there. So that's why the culture question is so good. All right. And then we're going to go to the next one, which is the third C cross references. And so this is the question there. Is this a theme that is in other parts of scripture? That's the, the third C. Is this a theme that is in other parts of scripture? And so what I want you to do there is I want you to grab what's called a concordance. You can do this online. There's, there's concordances online. And what you can do is you can search a word in a concordance. And all of these Bible uh, verses will come up with that word in it. And you can, you can back it up and do it in the original language. You can also just do it in English. So like if there's Jeremiah 29, 11, let's take that for example, for I know the plans I have for you. So maybe it's plans that you want to dive a little bit deeper into. What are some other verses in the Bible that have to do with plans, right? Um, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, right? So maybe it's hope that you, uh, that you want to, that you want to dr- drill down. And so I did that. And so I just did a cross or a concordance search on the word hope. And this is what I came up with Romans five, five. It's another verse about hope. And it says this, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So that's cross references. Very important. The, the fourth C is consultation. And it's um, basically what is, what do experts say? That's the question of consultation. What do experts say? And I love this because we can be reading culture and we can be reading context, but we still don't know what the experts say. Like I'm reading this, um, I read this, this, uh, I'm, I read this commentary and the, the author like literally had a doctorate degree in Jeremiah and Isaiah. Like literally his doctorate degree was in like, I will never come close to that level of, of knowledge. But what I can do is I can get knowledge from that person, right? And that's what, um, that's what this is so good. This is why that's the consultation step is so important. So there's some helpful tools that I want to give you, right? I'm giving you your shovel, and maybe you want to grab a wheelbarrow. Maybe you want to grab a bucket, right? Here's some other tools that I can help you. Um, Bible Gateway is a great tool. It's, it's actually the entire Bible online. And along with that, there's some free study Bible notes that you can go in there with. And there's also concordances. There's also uh, some commentaries that are free. There is a plus version that's subscription. Uh, it's not too expensive, but like there's a lot that's free there as well. Got questions? 
GodQuestions.org is awesome. I feel like every time I speak to, to teenagers, I go to GodQuestions.org because in reality, we're asking questions and then we're receiving answers. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we're asking questions and we're getting answers. And so I challenge you, like today, go home and look at gotquestions.org. Like it is so good. Even if you just read the top 10 most asked questions, so good. And then the third, the third thing there is the Matthew Henry commentary. That's just a great commentary. It has uh, notes on the entire Bible. Every chapter of the entire Bible, it has notes on background and just how to help you read and understand that. So good. Great place to start, Matthew Henry commentary. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, consultation. And let me just read to you. This is so cool. This is what happens. Let's bring it back to Jeremiah. This is what happens when you read a commentary. So this is out of my favorite commentary, the NIV application commentary. And this is a quote from that commentary about Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, in a justly famous reminder, the prophet writes that God knows the plans that he has for the exiles, plans for a future, for hope, and for restoration. The first context in which to hear these words comes in the next two chapters of Jeremiah's book, where future hope and restoration in the promised land are given fuller expression. Check this out. The same kind of confidence in God's saving purposes is available to any generation of his people who, as Jeremiah writes, seek him with all their heart. So what he's saying there, and this is the truth that comes out of the commentary, you are most in God's plan when you seek God with all your heart. And that's all in the commentary because I couldn't pull that out on my own, but it's in the commentary. You are most in God's plan when you seek him with all your heart. And the 13th verse there is, is simple. I think it's on the end of that, that second slide. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, yeah, that sec- the second to last line, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That's really the linchpin of all this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares Lord. That's great. But you have to be looking for God wholeheartedly, and then that could happen. You're in God's plan if you look for him wholeheartedly. And that's the beauty of looking at um, a concordance, right? And the fifth and final C is conclusion. And so this is, like, this is where we get to what does it mean for God? What does it mean for me? What does this mean for how I should live, right? This is the final point of all this. And notice, I, we had to get through all the C's to get to conclusion. Like, it's so important that you know that you can't just read the Bible and kind of like sort of overlay it on your life. You have to understand what scripture is actually saying not all the time, but because some things actually apply very directly to your life. I'm not saying that you have to study this and go through this in order to understand the true meaning of scripture. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying it will deepen your relationship with God. It will deepen your ability to understand scripture. So conclusion, what does this say about God? Let's go back to Jeremiah. It says that God is faithful and will fulfill all of his, all of his promises to us. And I'm getting this from all the four C's before. I can basically draw these conclusions on my own and you can do that on your own because you've been through the five or the the four C's before that. And then the second question, what does this mean for God or for me or for people in general? And it really means God's plans for you are good even if your situation is not. That's really what it means. The third uh, question there is what does this say about how I should live? And really, it's that verse 13 that I just said that I pulled out of the commentary. To be a part of God's will, you have to seek him. 
To be a part of God's will, you have to seek him. And really your restoration is dependent on your seeking God with your whole heart. So, and because that's, that's, that's the conclusion. We had to go through all those C's to get to that conclusion. And it deepens our, our knowledge of God. Not like you would actually read Jeremiah 29, 11 and interpret it like I first did. Like I can live however I want and just God has good plans for me. You probably wouldn't. But going through this, this form actually deepens the way that you see scripture. And it deepens the message of that because we all just saw how Jeremiah 29, 11 meant one thing, but now it means something completely bigger and deeper in your life. And so that's the, that's, the, that's the beauty of getting your shovel and doing it yourself. Like, so this week, here's what I need you to do. This is the challenge. I need you to today figure out your favorite verse. Or maybe it's your top, one of your top three verses. If you're not like a favorite, I have a favorite type of person. I understand there's people like that out there. Like, that's cool. Just do, just pick one verse today. Read it. Maybe read it even in a couple different versions, right? And then go back to that, um, that flow chart. Take one of these C's and do, ev- do one a day this week, okay? So Monday is context. Tuesday is culture. Wednesday is cross-references. Thursday, consultation. And Friday, conclusion, right? And, and here's the deal. I understand that was a lot. But I just want you to take how many things? One, I want you to take one thing from today and apply it to your life. That form is good. That will deepen your relationship and it will deepen your understanding of God. But I need you to just take one thing because that will, if you take one thing and if you apply it to your life and you keep it as a pattern in your life, you will grow deeper in your walk with God. And so um, that's my challenge to you. And because we have to bring it back to the why. Why do we study scripture? We study scripture just like in, in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. We study scripture so we can, be, we can be planted by the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season. That's what I want your life to look like. And that's really what you want your life to look like. Because if you're not growing with God, like Pastor Chris said, if you're not growing with God, you're backsliding. But you don't have to be like that. If you're planted along the riverbank, if you're meditating on his word day and night, that's what your life can be like, bearing fruit in every season. That's my prayer for you, and that's my hope today. So I'm going to pray to close this time, but after I pray, the prayer team is going to be up here. I'm going to ask if you, if you have anything to pray for, uh, please come and see our prayer team. If it's related to today or not, we would love to pray for you. Let me pray for us all today. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And God, I thank you that as we grow deeper, as we go deeper in the Bible, we, go, we grow deeper in our relationship with you. Thank you, God, for being so good and for revealing deep truths in your scripture. You are such a good God, and you continue to speak through your word because your word is alive and it's inspired. So God, I just pray that we would be able to understand your word, to study it, and Lord, as we do, you would inspire us you would bring forth what you want to say through our word, through your word, through our time studying. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you guys for coming and we'll see you next week.